Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. This morning's scripture comes from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. Keep the Sabbath day and treat it as holy, exactly as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Don't do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your oxen or donkeys or any of your animals, or the immigrant who is living among you, so that your male and female servants can rest just like you. Hey, everyone. Morning. Morning. Oh, good. I think you guys are going to be a, a, a worship service that's going to talk back to me a little bit. When I said, how are you? It was like... Uh, my name is Brittany. I'm the pastor here, and it is so good to have you in worship today. Uh, before we begin with the sermon, I would love to start with, I guess not start, continue in prayer. We already had a lovely prayer. God, our world is so chaotic. It is perhaps in these deep pauses that we are finding rest for the first time. Help us to breathe in your presence. Help us in these moments to Renew our desire to be with you. May my words speak your truth and enliven us to live as you call us to live in Sabbath. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're starting a new sermon series today called Unplug. And we're going to be talking about Sabbath. Uh, I want to begin this series with, uh, with this uh, sermon with a picture I came across recently. You can't see the background, but it's a guy sitting with coffee, and it says, I saw a guy today at Starbucks. <laughs> he had no smartphone, tablet, or laptop. He just sat there drinking his coffee like a psychopath. <laughs> How many of you have experienced that recently? You're in a coffee shop, you're in a restaurant, and somebody is sitting there by themselves, and they don't even have anything in front of them, right? And you're like, what's wrong with this person? Uh, this is the society that we live in, is it not? It is a society of electronics, and we are all, in many ways, connected to our phone. Sometimes for like fun things, we're maybe listening to a podcast that's helping us to be better or do better or look at something in a new way. Maybe we're listening to music. Maybe we're um, 
checking the like status on our latest Instagram post, or we're messaging back and forth with three different friends on three different platforms from Snapchat, is that right, Snapchat? <laughs> um, to instant messaging, to text messaging, right? We've got all of this stuff happening. Maybe we're playing a game on our phone to distract us from our boredom. Maybe we're checking our email. Our phones are an extension of us in many ways. Yes? No. You can say no, and I'll be like, awesome, you're good. <laughs> yes. And that is why uh, we did something really cool on Friday. Uh, the brainchild of Jarell, I'll call out because it's cool, and I think I should give credit to something that's really awesome. Uh, we used the opportunity of the launch of the iPhone 7 to bless people's phones and electronic devices um, on the streets of Chicago. Y'all, it was so cool. Uh, so Jarrell and myself and Pastor Hannah from Wicker Park were at the North and Clybourne train station. And we, uh, we blessed, I think I blessed one iPhone 7. I blessed a Samsung Galaxy. I blessed a lot of old iPhones. I even blessed a flip phone. I, uh, I blessed a broken phone that was on its way to the Verizon store. Apparently, my blessing didn't work because 20 minutes later, he came back and said I had to get a new phone. Um, I, I, uh, I blessed hands in absentia of phones. Uh, it was actually kind of funny because there was this one woman. I said, do you want to... Do you, would, can I bless your phone? And she looked at me quizzically and said, I already blessed my phone. I don't need you to do it. And I was like, fair enough, fair enough, you know? Uh, and then there were a lot of people that passed us by. You know that walk where you pretend like you don't know what's happening and you just like try to go through because the crazies are on the street? We got some of those looks too. One man gave me two phones to bless. And uh, we, we're giving away stickers, if you can show this. Uh, you'll, you'll hear more about this in communion. Everybody gets a sticker for their phone if they'd like it. Um, so we're giving away these stickers, and he said, will you put those on my phone as you're saying the blessing? And uh, so I, I put the sticker on the first phone, and I said the blessing over the relationships that we, he would have with it and the ways that he would find connection with people, that they would be full of authenticity and wholeness and peace and joy. And then I went to do the next phone, and I said, is this your work phone? And he said, no, it's another it, I tell people that, but it's actually just another phone that I used. And as I was saying a blessing over that phone, I thought about what are the reasons that he has to have two phones? Is he trapped? Is he living a fractured life with these two phones? Is he able to live a life abundant with these two phones? Our phones are these beautiful and complicated devices, right? They give us the potential to connect with hundreds, maybe even thousands of your friends. Probably nobody has a thousand friends, real friends. And yet they can cause us to feel isolated and vulnerable and lonely. And so what better way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ than to remind people on the streets of Chicago that the phone itself is actually neutral, 
The phone is not a tool of evil or a tool of good. It is neutral. How we engage with our phones, what we do with them, that's our choice. We can use the phone as a way to continue in our salvation journey of freedom and authenticity and wholeness. We can listen to podcasts about that. We can listen to music that gets us in touch with spirit. We can practice prayer and meditation with our phones, right? Or it can be a vehicle that causes us anxiety and fear and isolation. And so we... um, We are the kind of church that understands that the world we are living in is not getting any easier, right? It's just getting more chaotic, more, it's getting faster and more complicated. Now, so some churches are are the sort of church that they're like, oh my gosh, this world is so awful. We're going to create this bubble of safety. We'll be the church here in this safe bubble. And um, it's a utopian bubble and it's free of corruption and flaw. It is, it's pure, right? Have you ever been in that kind of church, right? There's something really assuring about it. It can feel really safe. There's also some problems with it because it's not the world. And so we at UVC want to be the kind of church that stands right there at the intersection of culture and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to stand right in that intersection and say, y'all, this is the world we live in. This is the world we live in and the gospel calls us to so much more. Calls us to a life abundance. Calls us, shows us this vision of God that promises freedom, authenticity, and wholeness. Right? This vision of God that liberates us not only from our own personal hurts and pains, but is bigger than that. It liberates us from the pains of racism that we experience in this world, right? And sexism and heterosexism and transphobia, right? We have this vision of God that is bigger than the culture we live in. And so on Friday, we got to stand in that intersection of culture and gospel. And y'all, it was awesome. It was awesome. We're going to have to do it again, and we'll make it a bigger thing where everybody else gets to participate. It was just the staff this time, next time. Now, we stand in that intersection, and it also means that we critique our culture, right? And here's the critique that I'm going to offer today, and I say this as one who is complicit and wrapped up in consumerism, who also just got a new iPhone 7. (laughs) Exciting and sinful, right? Purchasing the newest product, like the newest iPhone, the newest Android phone, the newest anything, is participating in this society's consumerism, capitalism, right? It's like, it's like I willingly stepped onto the wheel of the, the hamster wheel, and I have bought into this idea that I just need to work hard and then I can afford the stuff that I can relax with because I'm working so hard, right? It's this wheel, I'm going to work hard so I have money to pay for the things that 
um, that will help me escape the fact that I have to work hard, so then I have to work hard again, right? You see that hamster wheel? It's harmful to us, and, and it's harmful to God's creation, right? That's a whole other sermon, but the, the amount of stuff that we amass, it's harmful to God's creation, and it can be harmful to us. Because y'all, I'm tired. Raise your hand if you're tired. Not tired like, oh, I didn't sleep well last night, but that like deep bone body, tired. We are overworked as a culture, as a society. We have increased in anxiety and depression as a society. Check out this graph I found when I was doing research this week. This is college students. This is college students. So it's not a whole section, but it, it's, you know, it's the best graph I could find to prove my point. <laughs> Let me just be transparent. Do you see the anxiety piece? How it just skyrockets? This is a graph that's from 2007 to 2013, so it's just a brief section of time, but I am just astounded by that. Does anybody know uh, what else happened in 2007? (laughs) Thank you for being at the first service so that you could provide (laughs) answer to the second. Were you going to say that, Derek? Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that too. Well, so the economy, but so it's interesting because the economy you would think would play into this, but that it's a flat line for those couple of years, which could be anxiety too. But I, I think it's interesting, you know, give, give the iPhone, you know, then Android came in and started making their smartphones, right? So you give it till 2009, 10, and then every, like soon everybody's getting their smartphone. I think I didn't get my first smartphone till 2012, right? But do you see that increase of anxiety? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not a scientist, and I'm not trying to draw a direct correlation, right? Um, it happens for lots of things, and the economy is also part of that. But I find it really interesting, right, that, these, that technology and devices have just skyrocketed, and so has anxiety and depression. So here, right, so here's some churches that'll say, the phones are the problem. Let's sell the phones, give the money to the poor, and live in this world without smartphones. It's a solution. It's, it's a possibility. Uh, I think that would just make us a weird cult. Um, <laughs> right? It's that, where are we standing, Right? So the question then becomes, what do we do now? How do we uh, live in this overstressed, overworked world that we find ourselves in? And that's why we're doing this three-week sermon series on Unplug. Um, We want to explore this question of how do we unplug through the lens of Sabbath. Sabbath is a word that means rest, quite literally. Rest. Resting deeply so that we can dwell in the presence of God. 
resting deeply so that we are reminded that we don't need to be the savior of the world because there's already a savior of the world. Resting deeply to find renewal and identity. To remember that we are God's beloved children called by name and claimed. Rest. Because it seems like we have two, maybe three speeds in this world. There's like frantic fast. And then there's like escape through watching some sort of internet TV an entire season in one day. And we call that rest. And then there is collapse into your bed and sleep. Do you find yourself in any of those categories? So here's the good news. There's good news, I promise. Uh, the good news is we, we're probably kind of in an extreme swing of the pendulum. But the good news is that this is not a new problem. That not being able to rest, that uh, not honoring our Sabbath, that being overworked is not a new problem. It has gone on for generations and generations. When we look at our scripture passage today, we know that Israel did the same thing. Now, toward the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus, I want to remind you that Israel was enslaved in Egypt. They were working 24-7. If y'all haven't read Exodus and you've won a Bible, we have them, and it's, it's kind of a, it's a really cool story to hear about how God liberated through the leadership of Moses and enslaved people. The Egyptians worked the Israelites to death to produce more and more bricks so that they could build more and more silos to store Pharaoh's treasures. Does this sound familiar, y'all? to build beautiful pyramids. Now, eventually, the Israelites escaped Egypt. Eventually, they were living in a desert free, no longer captive. But you know what? They still approached life and work as if they were in captivity. They continued to work these long, ridiculous hours. They continued to live as if they were captive, not practicing any sort of Sabbath. It kind of reminds me of the place we live in, y'all. Free and yet captive by our jobs or our social media profile and still not making time for rest. So it's difficult, though, right? Because we are free and yet we're captive to all of this stuff, some of it being our jobs. Our jobs have, because of this new phone thing, our jobs have been leaking into our free time. People used to go to work, and then they'd come home, and they would just be. But now you go to work, and you come home, and you have e email on your phone still, right? And you're expected to answer it. So how do we do this, right? Like, take my brother, for example. There's always a crisis at his work when he's hitting a deadline. That sounds really hard, my brother, to say there's a crisis at his work. You're, you're all thinking, like, oh, yeah, he probably has to tend to it if it's a crisis, right? Yeah? 
Do you know what my brother does for a living? He designs, this should earn me cool points, he designs video games. So what kind of crisis are we talking about here? <laughs> right? Do I have more cool points, by the way? Yeah. What kind of crisis are we talking about that he has to take away from his family time? For a video game? To feed that hamster wheel, right? And so it's really easy for me to be like, dude, you make video games for a living? You're not performing life-saving surgery. Take a break. Don't answer the text message. Don't check your email. Don't stay late at work. But y'all, he wants to keep his job, right? And so how do we navigate that? How much can we push back on? Do y'all face these, or is this just my brother and his computer games, right? Yeah. So as the church, one of the ways we can be countercultural is to push back on that a little bit, right? To be able to say to somebody kind of bravely, wow, I took Sabbath on whatever day, and so, or I, I take this day as Sabbath, and so I don't check email. Yeah. I don't know. Can you do that or not? I don't know, right? Um, or I took these hours because I'm off of work. Only you can answer this question of how much you can navigate that. But, um, yeah, try it. I do think it's interesting. Uh, this scripture passage, this tells us a lot about who we are, too. Uh, this scripture passage, uh, originally the idea of Sabbath was this great theological concept. God rested on the seventh day, and so we should rest, right? It was this great theological concept. And then when the Israelites couldn't do it, God made it the fourth commandment. It went from like, oh, this great theological idea to like, no, you will do this, and if you don't do it, the penalty is death. <laughs> what, so what does it say about us as a people that the stakes have to be as high as death in order for us to be taking Sabbath, Right? Like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'll take Sabbath if you're going to kill me otherwise. <laughs> right? <laughs> but we don't have that anymore. Back in the day, I know, like, Sunday used to be, like, the uh, Sabbath day, right, in, in a way. I, I can still remember in my parents' really small hometown going there on weekends, and the grocery store would be closed. The restaurant, because there's only one, uh, would be closed. Um, the florist would be closed. And there's something kind of nice about that, a forced Sabbath. But I'm not advocating we go back for that because we all know that we live in this multi-religious society where um, Sabbath ain't on a Sunday for everybody, right? And nor should it be. And so this is an invitation for us to find our own way of discovering Sabbath. This is an invitation for us to unplug and dwell in the presence of God in a way that works for us. It's not forced. It's not an obligation. See, God is like a, an overbearing mother or a jealous lover that says, I don't want you to spend time with me because you feel like you have to and you've been forced. 
I want you to want to spend time with me, right? I want you, have you ever had this conversation with a friend or something, right? Like, I want you to want to spend time with me. And that's how God is. God doesn't want to force it. It is in our Sabbath rest, is in our time of quiet, time of unplugging, that we can meet God and ironically be recharged. We have to unplug, unplug those devices to get recharged. Rest, maybe even getting bored. When was the last time anybody was actually bored? Because we usually try to distract ourselves. Rest, maybe even getting bored. I remember, well, I'm going to add it now. One of the things I cut from my sermon was, I remember reading uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder books when I was younger and her sab and how it was boring, right? Nobody's, re- okay, so it's a bad reference. <laughs> I should have kept it cut. <laughs> Mental note, nobody likes Little House on the Prairie. Um, <laughs> Thank you, thank you. (laughs) What does it mean to be bored, right? Can that be an invitation from God to draw closer and to be reminded that our identity is in God? Not our Facebook profile, not our Grindr account. It's in God. It's pretty powerful stuff. Because, y'all, if you're like me, I know you feel it. It's that anxiety. It's that restlessness. It's that yearning for something more that's not going away. And so we make choices to drown it. We say, oh, I'll have another beer. Oh, I'll just read this article because I need to know just a little something more. Oh, I'll surround myself with five friends and have a big conversation and I won't have to deal with that anxiety and that feeling. I'll watch an entire season of the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and laugh, and that will make it go away. But it doesn't, does it? Maybe momentarily it does. And so Sabbath, practicing rest, practicing Sabbath regularly is the way to to sit with that anxiety and to use it as an invitation to God. So I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if we would commit to practicing Sabbath. I had two people that committed to this in the first service, so I'm just laying that out there. Does anybody want to try? And if you, you know, failure's a thing, and we just pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and go on, does anybody want to try this week to find one day where you can practice Sabbath from electronics? No cell phone, no computer, no tablet. Did I miss something? No television. (laughs) Nobody wants to try that. Okay, that's okay, that's okay. 
It's a big step. Okay, I got one. Thank you, thank you. You know what? That says something about our society, doesn't it? What about, what about sun up to sundown? That's almost the same, but you know, I thought I would try. Okay, what about six hours? Okay. Six hours, one day this week. Now here's the deal. Um, in, my, in my research this week, as I was reading uh, about Sabbath, and I was, uh, the Orthodox tradition in Judaism does Sabbath so well, and what it takes is preparation. Right? So think about that as you, as you think about, there were, most of you said six hours. How do you need to prepare for that so that you can truly have that Sabbath time? I um, had a conversation this week with a woman named Carmen who spent uh, a week up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and she said that she didn't get any cell reception up there. And it was, I was like, oh, well, so how was that? And she said it was awful. It was really anxiety producing because she was in the middle of having a conversation with her friend on Snapchat and she couldn't reply. And then she thought, oh, maybe he hates me. Maybe, you know, this is bad. And then, and I said, oh, and so what happened? How did that go? And she said, well, then I just let it go. And I realized I can't, it's fine. And, and then it was awesome. It was awesome to be completely unplugged and to be present to my friend who was there. I uh, also heard this week about a guy named Mark who has a friend named Barb that lives in um, London. And Barb and he usually respond by text message and that one will text the other and they'll respond back really quick, you know, because we're connected to our phones and you can just do that, right? And one day, Mark uh, texted Barb, and Barb did not respond for like three or four hours. And finally, she responded and said, sorry, Mark, I got your text message, and I was riding the bus, and I could have responded to you, but I decided not to. She said, I've been trying to put away my phone and practice mindfulness and be present in, in, in the situation that I'm in. And so I chose to use that bus ride as an opportunity to look at the people around me, like a psychopath, right? <laughs> to look at the people around me, to enjoy the sights and smells of where I am. And so Mark started to think about this, and he said he started to put his phone away too. And this anxiety that he had been feeling for the last many years, um, shifted for him. And so he was inspired. Barb's birthday was coming up, and he was inspired, and he started thinking, like, I wonder if I can make something that would be like this visual representation of this idea of being present, of being mindful, something that's like that, that you could put on your coffee table, and it would look like a really cool, fancy coffee table thing. Like, how could I do that? And so he created this thing called the Be Present Box. I don't know if you can read it, but it's a wood box, and it says, number one, insert phone, number two, close lid, number three, be present. Isn't that cool? 
We're giving you the iPhone, the iPhone, see I use that like Kleenex. We're giving you the smartphone stickers you can put on your devices today. Uh, I wish I could give you all be present box, but sorry. <laughs> um, but you could go take an old shoe box, do the same thing. What would it be like to put our phones away for a little bit? to unplug, to take an afternoon walk around the city that's not tied to Pokemon Go? What would it be like to just delight in the beauty of creation? What would it be like to unplug? Maybe have a meal with a friend or a couple of friends and, and be present in that in such a way that you don't even think about that, that when some archaic fact comes up and you're like, oh, I, hmm, I don't know. Let me look it up. That you just say, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> and then you move on. What would that be like, y'all? Because these phones, these electronic devices, they are not going away. But the way that we choose to engage with them and love them, we get to choose that. We get to choose that. So what are y'all going to do? You up for the challenge? Okay, so next week, we're going to come back and talk about this. Sound good? All right. See you there. Amen.